we're going to start off with some pictures again. You're going to tell me what they are and what they're used for. So, tell me what is this, this one. You can all call it out if you like. Eye. And what do we do with an eye or our eyes? We see. We look at things. Yeah. Stuff. Hear stuff and to listen to things, that's right. To touch. Awesome. Feet to walk. Walk. Great. All right. What is this? Legs. Brain to think. Awesome answer. That is, that's our brain. And what we do with our brain is to think and to learn. Okay, so that, that was another photo in case you didn't know what it was outside of the head. <laughs> okay. All right, so you know what to do with all those. What are, what are they all part of? The body. The body. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to play a game. Who likes playing games? Cool. All right. Who has heard of the game Simon Says? Awesome. Well, it's Auntie Says. Okay. So we're going to stand up. Can someone tell me what is the object of this game? Not to get caught up in things that you don't say Simon before after. Oh, before. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So what do you got to do about this? With this game, you have to use your eyes to watch, your ears to listen, and what about your brain or your mind? Because you've got to think too, don't you? Because what you need to do with this game is you need to listen to what I tell you to do, okay, and watch also because you need to... Remember, you're supposed to do the things that I tell you to do only, okay? All right, let's stand up and try it. All right, let's start with Auntie says, clap your hands. Clap your hands. Auntie says, clap your hands. That's right. Auntie says, turn around. Right around. All the way around. Keep clapping your hands. Auntie says, wave your arms. Auntie says, tap your knees. Okay. Auntie says, touch your nose. Auntie says, tap your head. Auntie says, Auntie says, rub your belly. All right, well done. I have a very smart group. Sit down. I noticed, what, did anyone notice what else I was doing? Did you notice that I was marching and moving my legs? Yeah, but none of you started doing it with me. Why was that? Because I didn't tell you to do it? But you were watching me do it. 
Oh, well, I'm very impressed. <laughs> okay. So it's credit to all you, all you um, children that didn't start marching with me because, you know, sometimes it's easy for us to start doing something that we see and we start to follow. Is that right? And you didn't. You just done what I told you to do. So you were listening and you were thinking. Okay, so do you... Um, do you, do you think about what... Oh, sometimes it's not easy to think about what we are doing. And it's easier to think... But it's easier to think about what our hands and our feet are doing at times, but not always what our, our eyes or, at, or what we're looking at or what we're listening to. Or sometimes it's not easy to know what we're thinking about either. Okay, so in Romans... Romans 12.21... Oops tells us, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What does overcome mean? Does anyone know what overcome means? So it's like to beat something. So if you're sick and then you get well, it's to overcome. And so you beat that sickness. And so the Bible is telling us that we can overcome evil with what? truth the truth and by doing good by doing good well done you know romans 12 verse 2 of the same chapter says this don't change yourself to be like the people of this world but let god change you inside with a new way of thinking then you will be able to understand and accept what god wants for you you will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect so, we need to be careful what we look at, we need to be careful what we listen to, and we need to be careful what we think. When we look and listen to bad things, we can't make good decisions. When ch but Jesus wants us to have a healthy mind so that we can make good decisions. Is that right? So, who knows the song, Be Careful Little Hands? All right, so we're going to sing about today our eyes, our ears, and our minds, okay, so that we don't have to drag the song out too long. So we're going to sing about our eyes, our ears, and our minds, and maybe our mums and dads and the people, everyone, all the adults can sing along with us. Would you like to stand? And we'll finish off with our song.
Romans 12, 1 and 2. I, bese I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Morning, everybody. Good to see so many here today. It's always a blessing to be in the house of God. You're walking through a park and the man in front of you gets smacked in the back of the head with a frisbee and you recoil in sympathy. Or you're sitting at home and you're watching the game, the grand final. It's in the last minutes and it's a draw. They're going for a, a field goal. Your heart and your chest is beating so hard because you're excited about the outcome. Or you see a woman smith, sniff unfamiliar food and she wrinkles her nose up at the thought of it. And your stomach turns because you think, oh, I wouldn't like to eat that either. Or you're feeding a baby. And as you're feeding the baby, your mouth opens with the child's as you put the food in. These examples could go on and on. You see someone crying, you cry. Someone hits their funny bone and you flinch. Or someone has a great big belly laugh and you can't help but join them. Or simply someone smiles at you and you smile back. What causes us to react in this way? Well, it's a small group of cells in our brains called mirror neurons. They're responsible for this automatic reaction to, that most of us experience. They were discovered in the early 1990s and research has continued since to better understand how we socially interact with each other. This research is helping to explain how we learn through mimicry and why we empathise with others. What makes these cells so interesting is that they activate both when we perform an action, so when we smile at someone, or if we pick up a cup, or when we observe someone else performing the same action. In other words, they collapse a distinction between seeing and doing. Marco Iacoboni, a neuroscientist in 2008, during an interview, was asked, how might mirror neurons help us understand what someone else is thinking or feeling? He answered, we use our body to communicate our intentions and our feelings. The gestures, facial expressions, body postures we make are social signals, ways of communicating with one another. Mirror neurons are obviously essential brain cells for social interactions. They provide an inner imitation of the actions of other people, which in turn leads us to simulate and the intentions and emotions associated with those actions. This is why when someone smiles at you, we smile in return. Or when you see someone in tears, it'll bring tears to your eyes. Or you grimace when someone is hurt in front of you. I have a tag hanging in the, in the car off my mirror that says, designed by God. These mirror neurons were part of God's design for all of us. It's so that we could mimic him. We're created in him, his image, aren't we? But just like any wartime event, 
Satan ambushes us at every turn to give us something else, something that's unhealthy to mimic. Marco was then asked, if we are wired to automatically internalise the movements and the mental states of others, then what does this suggest about violent movies, TV programs and video games? His answer, I believe we should be more careful with what we watch. There is convincing behavioural evidence linking media violence with imitative violence. You're starting to see the implications here. In a world where violence and murder and adultery and pornography and all sorts of horrible things are constantly put in front of us, we need to be much more guarded. The media world understands what they're doing. Since the mid-90s, TV and movies have been ramping up their content. Video games, the news have become much more graphic. Then there's the internet and YouTube. The social media giant Facebook launched in 2004. If there's any question in your mind whether they understand mirror neurons, you shouldn't be questioning at all. The media relies on you internalising and responding in a very personal way to what they give us. There is a very sophisticated battle taking place over the lives and minds of each of us here today. Our creator understands about mirror neurons and how they affect our character. Turn to Matthew 5 with me. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to verse 22. Matthew 5 and verse 22, and Jesus says, But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. What judgment? Verse 21 gives us the answer. You have heard that it was said that to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. It matters what we think. It matters what we see. In the same chapter in verses 27 and 28, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said that those of old, to those of old, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. Jesus created us. He understands the sophisticated uh, tactics of the devil and he understands how our brains are affected when thinking the wrong thoughts. You may have heard this before. Your thoughts become your actions. Your actions become your habits. And your habits become your character. The battle is won and lost in our minds. In Romans 12:1, Paul beseeches us to dedicate our bodies to the Lord. This verse attaches significance to healthy living. We perform an act of spiritual worship by offering to God a holy and healthy body. Turn to Daniel. I was counting on Marilyn visiting this this morning. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 12. And Daniel asks to be tested with clean foods, Please let your servants for 10 days, test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. And verse 14, so he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. Daniel and his friends understood this principle of healthy living. They'd been prepared for this time and it made their, de- their decisions to resist the king's food a lot easier for them. 
no matter the cost. And what was the result? God honoured their faithfulness. We read in verse 17, As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And in verse 20, Nebuchadnezzar finds them ten times wiser than any of the men he'd ever met before. Presenting a healthy body to God is important. In, in verse 2, he beseeches us to de- dedicate our minds to the Lord. This is made easier by healthy living. By giving our minds to God and submitting to his will, we open the way for full restoration to him. So who here this morning was raised in an Adventist home? A few of us. I know that over the years there have been people who have said to me when they've come to the faith that they were a little envious and, and of the fact that I was raised in an Adventist home. But if you feel that way this morning, I just want to reassure you that there are things that you learn and wonderful truths that are made known to you that can't affect me in the same way. It's something I've always known. They're new to you, beautiful. But you know, no matter the background, whether raised in an Adventist home or not, whether we're in the church or out of the church, we're all the same. Romans 3.23 tells us that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. It's God who saves us, not the home in which we are raised. We all face the same challenge, that is to overcome sin. So is there a war being waged over yours and my souls? Every moment. We have one of two choices to make. We can either be conformed to this world or be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, we're each born conformed to this world. The choice we need to make is, do we want to stay that way? Turn to Romans 8.29 with me. Romans 8.29 reads, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God's purpose isn't that we're conformed to this world. He predestined each of us to be conformed to his image. But we have a choice to make. Now, to be conformed to the image of God, it requires in each one of us a transformation so that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what is good? I heard Ison say this morning, the good is the word, God's word. If we go to Genesis 31, we're at the end of the creation week and each day that's finished, God looks at it and he calls good. But it's interesting to me that on the sixth day after he's created us in his image, he looks and he says that it is very good. It is as he planned. We were created so that God could have a relationship with us. And so that we, in turn, could have a relationship with him. Turn to Colossians 1.16. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, All things were created through him and for him. 
and 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. We're only here because he wants us to be. Micah 6.8 tells us, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In Genesis 3.8, sin has entered. Adam and Eve hear God walking in the garden. They knew his steps. You know what it's like. Do you know the steps or the footsteps of your loved ones in your home? If you've got multiple children, you know which one they are. This is the relationship God wants with us. He knows our steps. He wants us to know his. Jeremiah 29.11. Does anyone know this verse? Common one. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God thinks about us. If you take just a moment to ponder that, you know, we've got the God of the universe who holds all the planets and the stars in place. He created everything in this world. We just read that he created everything. He takes into his control the governments and the powers of this world, but he takes time to think about each one of us individually. It's a humbling thought. He wants what's good for us. Just as we're concerned about the choices our children make, so God is concerned about the choices that we make. So what is acceptable? In the Garden of Eden, what would have been acceptable to God? Complete obedience? Yeah. You know, God has given us a set of statutes that act for us as a shield, as a protector against the enemy and his schemes. The commandments are a description of a lifestyle that we will enjoy if we choose God over this world. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. This isn't a command to you. This is a statement of fact. If you love him, you will just naturally keep his commandments. Romans 12.1 says that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice to God, that this is wholly acceptable to God. And so what is perfect? What's the perfect will of God for us? Well, when I thought about the word perfect, apart from thinking about my wife, I thought of Jesus. Jesus is perfect. He lived here On this world, he lived a life to show us how to live. He set us an example. I like one of my favourite speakers is David David Ashrick, and I like what he says. The first two chapters of our Bible, of Genesis 1 and 2, are all about a perfect God, a perfect people, in a perfect place, in a perfect relationship. The last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, are also about a perfect people, in a perfect place, with a perfect God, in a perfect relationship. These four books, or four chapters, are bookends to a tragic story of human history. And everything between these chapters still has a perfect God. But he is doing everything he can to reconcile this fractured planet to himself. Friends, God wants an exclusive intimate relationship with each one of us 
That's his will. That's his perfect will. We are predestined to be conformed to his image. Once he has that relationship with you, your desires will fall in line with his will for you. Romans 12.2 says, To prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God requires a transformation of our minds. Our minds can be consumed with worries. Who here doesn't worry? About the past, about mistakes, about things, about people, hurt feelings, insecurities, with things often that haven't even happened. Matthew 6.34 tells us, Therefore do not worry. We need to be very careful that our thoughts don't become our idols. For most of us, life tips the scales and there are struggles. But our minds, our minds are polluted with the things of this world and the things we face each day. We know that our minds can be crowded out with impure thoughts, so how can we reverse this process? Colossians 3 is a great text. If you're still in Colossians, have a look. Colossians 3 verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, while we look at the things which are not seen, not the things that are seen, because the things that are seen are only temporary, the things that are not seen are eternal. That's where his focus was. Turn to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verses 6 through to 8. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, interesting that verse. Who here feels that peace should be a feeling? The peace that God offers us is a guard. It protects our minds. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Two things stick out for me in these verses. Prayer and meditation. Prayer is to commune with God. To meditate is to think about something deeply, to reflect deeply on spiritual matters. You know, we can all shift the balance in our minds. It was 1966 and Captain James Ray was flying his plane along the China-Hanoi supply line. He'd done it many times, but on this occasion he was shot down. He ejected and he landed safely, but he was promptly taken prisoner and placed in one of their worst prisons. Solitary confinement was a regular occurrence for him while while they punished and tortured him to try and get a, a confession from him. And one day while lying in his cell, he heard a knocking noise. Listening closely, he heard tapped out in Morse code, Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Then he heard someone else tapping. It was Psalm 4, 4, I mean Matthew 4, 4. 
But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The prisoners would pass scripture between each other in their cells through Morse code, and they did this the entire time they were there. It strengthened them and it gave them courage and they made it through. Captain James Ray later made this statement. Verses on paper are not one iota as useful as verses burned into the memory where they can comfort and encourage you in times of need. We are going to face a time, just like they did, when we no longer have our Bibles. It is then that we will either be armed with the word of God in our minds or we will regret having never brushed the dust from their covers. God wants you to internalise his word. Some years ago I was asked to do a um, Bible memorisation class. Now remember, I was a third generation Adventist. I knew the scriptures and the Bible and the Bible stories and the songs. But my response to the question was, I can't do that. I can't memorise things. You see, who knows John 14, 26? But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. That was my crutch. You see, I believe that when the time came, when persecution came or there was tough times, God would remind me what I had to know. But I realised something that I can't remember something I haven't already memorised. It was a crutch. I said no initially, and I'm sure some of you can relate to my dilemma here that you can't memorise. I'd witnessed many great men and women of God recite many verses. I'd gone to a a seminar run by Randy Skeet. Does anyone here know Randy Skeet? And I witnessed him preach an entire series without once opening his Bible. And he was word for word perfect, I know, because I'd open the Bible myself and check. And he had this ability to read half a verse, go off on a tangent and come back and finish it. I couldn't do that. The problem is here that I was measuring myself against other people. We need to be very careful not to do that. Because if we do that, we are likely to miss out on the blessings that God has in store for us. Remember, he thinks about you to give you a a future and a hope, to give you peace and not evil. So I did the class, and was it a struggle? So we memorised, the first one was Jeremiah 31.3. Does anyone know that one? About the love of God. I think Helen had it right below. The Lord of old has appeared to me saying, I've loved you with an everlasting love. We memorise Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. I'm sure you all know that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. John 15, 5. You all know it. I am the vine. You are the branches. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just what about this one Hebrews 10 24 and 25 and let us consider one another you're all cheating anyway about the value of fellowship you know 
I took this class and I implemented it in my life and I used it on my many kilometres on the road while I was driving day and night I'd memorise scriptures and it changed my life. Now I had my material to meditate on. God tells us to meditate on things that are good and pure and true. But there was another verse that I had struggled with. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Over a few pages. Rejoice always, that's right, Fernand. Verse 16, rejoice always. 17, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How do you pray without ceasing when you're driving a truck? Memorising scripture gave me that way. It gave me the answer. So now I had my material for uh, meditating material to pray to stay in a constant state of prayer and things become begun to change so my angel Leanne and I we decided to put this into practice so for the last The last 12 months, it has changed our life. It enhances your spiritual walk. It strengthens you. It sharpens your mind. Helps you to focus. And through this, it reminds you that God doesn't leave you. Lamentations 3, 21 to 23 tells us that God's mercies and compassion fail us not. They knew every day. Great is thy faithfulness. Isaiah 26, 3 says that you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Memorising keeps our minds on God, on his word. This is when Romans 10, 17 becomes real to you. So then faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Memorisation enables us to grow or get to know God intimately because his word is in our mind. That's where he wants to live. Memorisation brings your prayers to life. You know, when you can start praying scripture... You can start claiming God's promises for you. You can remind him of the promises made to you and claim it as your own. You see, prayer is how we communicate with God. God is always there, is he not? Always there to listen. But he won't encroach on our time or our space without us inviting him. He's a gentleman. Revelation 3.20 tells us he stands at the door and knocks. He waits for us to open it. 
reading and memorising scripture opens that door to him. And just like Captain James Ray, the scripture stored in our minds puts our thoughts on Jesus, not on the things of this world, but on Christ our Saviour. That is the that is your protection in this world. The world in which we live, where we are bombarded and assaulted with images, temptations of all sorts. Scripture tells us that Jesus was tempted in all points such as us. What was his response? It is written. He knew the key. He knew the power of the word. The same research centre that Marco Iacoboni does his research in found that not only what we see matters, the researchers show that the mirror neurons activated not only when we see others doing an action, but also when we read sentences describing the same action. When we read a book, these specialised cells respond as if we are actually doing what the book character is doing. We could each take the advice my wife shared with our children this morning. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little minds, what you think. So who are we mimicking? What are we reading? In the Desire of Ages, page one, uh, 816, it says, It is our work to look to Christ and follow him. By beholding him, we will become transformed. John 17.3 tells us that this is eternal life, that we may know God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. That is God's will for us. This here, that's how we're transformed. That's how we know, how we get to know God. Read it. Store it away in your mind. Call upon it throughout the day. Deuteronomy tells us to talk about it as we walk, as we lay down, as we do all our things. Talk about it. Now, don't sit there this morning, please. Don't sit there this morning and tell me that you can't memorise. My beautiful wife said she couldn't. And now we have our own book where we write down promises of God <laughs> so if you think you can't here's a suggestion you might surprise yourself can anyone tell me what John 3.16 is is that not God's word what about Genesis 1.1 What about Exodus 20, verse 8? Psalm 23, 1. <laughs> and we all know this one, I'm pretty sure. What's Philippians 4, 13? Yeah. It is God's good and acceptable and perfect will that you internalise him, open your heart's door and let him abide in you Dedicate your bodies to the Lord. That will help you dedicate your minds to him also. And then he will transform you into the image of his son. Amen. Father in heaven, take our lives and let them be.
consecrated, Lord, to thee. Anoint our eyes and our ears and our minds, Lord, that we may live a life that is pleasing to you. Pour us full, Lord, of your spirit now. In Jesus' name, amen.